Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, welcome to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. It's currently 40 degrees, and the sun's starting to peak out at uh, 309 here on this Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Today's uh, Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday. We'll talk about that a little bit. I'm sure uh, Jake can get us some good New Orleans music going for us. We got some good stories today as well. Uh, Well, right off the bat, and we've talked about how the economy, inflation and stuff being less worse is still a dangerous place to be in. And today's a perfect example of that. And again, the numbers weren't horrific. They weren't bad. They were above expectations, which, again, because our economy is so fragile at this time, it pretty much sent it into a tailspin. The the Dow Jones is at the wor- had its worst day of the year so far. It's down uh, right now 700, almost 731 points. The Nasdaq is down 369 points. The Standard & Poor's down 97.25%. And uh, this is because of hotter-than-anticipated inflation data. It was above. I think it was only about 3.1, and they expected it to be low 3. And again, it wasn't horrible, but it just goes to show you how fragile this economy is. So when they when they when when it goes down and everyone tells you how great everything is and how wonderful. Well, what's their answer today? Oh, don't worry about it. It's just a hiccup. But, you know, if it would have hit expectations, which I believe was only at uh, 2.9 and instead it was 3.1. But, um, you know, a lot of things are tremendously up as far as costs go. And they want to skip that point. But the same people who are telling you how everything's great, you know, disappear when there's something like this that happens. Uh, one of the biggest reasons for the inflation numbers today was, was housing costs. Shelter was up 6%, rent up 6.1%, home insurance is up 4.1%. And again, that's just month to month. Goods are still up in the double digits. And again, we were headed in the right direction, but we are a fragile economy. So when you hear the cheering and rah, rah, rah about how great everything is and you know this 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 uh, we're in a, a, a wonderful place no we're in a less worse place still and today proves that i mean we just barely missed the mark it really and it wasn't a bad number I, you know i'm going to give credit where credit is due it's above what they expected but 3.1 isn't a bad number we should be around 2 so we're still above where we need to be but just that just the fact that i think they were predicting 2.9 we came in at 3.1 and it's sending the entire stock market into a tailspin, should should be a wake-up call to prove that things are things are uh, day-to-day, and things could go bad very bad, bad, very uh, very fast, because it did. I mean, the numbers came out this morning, and all the markets across the board tanked. Like I'm saying, the Dow Jones had its worst day of the year in a year. Standard of Poor's is down. NASDAQ is down. And I'm not just talking down. It's, it's down tremendously. Based off of news that wasn't that bad. So that's telling us something. It's telling us how fragile our economy is, and we need to be careful. And uh, 
doing less worse month to month is a good thing to happen. Even though this crept up a little bit, we're still not in a horrible place, but you could see how quickly the markets rally on that. The other big news, and by rally, I mean rally downward to the worst place that we've been in a year, almost. We lost half the gains in this fiscal year already in just half a day of trading today. That's one of the economic experts said on TV before I walked in. Um, the other thing is that the Senate passed uh, Ukraine. They're calling it a Ukraine funding bill, but it's not just Ukraine. It includes $60 billion for security reasons for Ukraine, $14 billion for Israel. They're calling it $9 billion for humanitarian aid, but that $9 billion is, is for Palestine to help rebuild it, help the people that are there that are being uh, affected by the war that's going on there that Hamas brought to their streets. But that's, that's when, it, when they say humanitarian aid, that's where the majority of that money is going from. And, and they're going to need help once Hamas is gone, no doubt. And then another $5 billion for the Indo-Pacific um, with the threats from China going uh, on there. So that's what uh, you know, they have there. The interesting part I find here, and, and you, you heard it live here on WILK, you heard uh, President Joe Biden, it was more of a political speech than it was a policy speech, which I, I have problems with, and, and you should too. First of all, this bill has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with whoever his opponent would, would or would not be. This has to do with the politics of the House and the Senate, majorities and minorities, that go on. Now, they're looking to bypass the Speaker of the House, the the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, has been very critical of the House for saying that this is going to be dead on arrival. Joe Biden was very critical about this bill being dead on arrival, saying, you need to let the people in the House, the congressmen, the people, congressmen and women who were elected by the people, have their say in this. It needs to come to the floor. Okay, well, how about we'll give it just as much attention as the Senate did to H.R. 2, which was the House's border security bill that passed almost a year ago that Chuck Schumer in the Senate has refused to bring to the floor of the Senate. It's the same exact thing, but it's just not the topic that they want to bring forward. It's not the discussion they want to have. So the Senate passes a bill, and it goes to the House. And it must get there. It must reach the floor. The, the House Speaker is an extremist if he does not bring this to the floor of the House. But yet, when it works the other way, when the House votes for a border security bill, H.R. 2, almost a year ago, that's been sitting on Chuck Schumer's desk that he refuses to bring to the Senate floor. So it's the same politics. It's the same thing. There's no difference. But one will get a um, pile of attention. One won't. That's the politics that we're here. And this has nothing to do with elections. It has nothing to do with – it's the priority of what the American people – if you look at polling, border security is across the board up in the top three. The immigration problems is by far one of the top priorities. But yet when that whole entire debacle – of funding collapsed where they tried to throw in border funding that really wasn't border funding. 
their priority was to fund Ukraine, mostly, $60 billion. Another $60 billion. $14 billion for Israel, $9 billion for what they're calling humanitarian aid, and $5 billion for the Indo-Pacific. So we're going to make a priority other people's security, other countries' borders, or other people's sovereignty against Russia, against Hamas, against China, but not ours. But not ours. So it's incredible how these things will get the press and say, well, look how unreasonable the Speaker of the House is not even allowing this to the floor for a vote. Okay, how about we give this just as much attention as the Senate gave H.R. 2, which was passed almost a year ago, which was a comprehensive border security bill, specifically. And when you give that the attention it deserves, maybe this will get the attention it deserves, and we'll see what happens from there. But if you want to play politics in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, yes, I'm talking about you, then don't expect the House to not do the same. This is the way it works. You give a little, you get a little. It's the same exact thing that happened. But now it's different because it's, you know, a Democrat bill that the Biden administration wants. We're going to talk about some of that in a little bit, too. There's some, there's some stuff going on there. There's this new article from Axios, and uh, I'll give you a heads up, just— uh, do a, a internet search for Axios article on the White House, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's going to be uh, an eye-opener because something like that doesn't leak out unless there's trouble in uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. Let's go to the phones now. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. We have uh, Tom from Wilkesbury on the stock market. Tom. Good afternoon, Rob. I really love your programs. Uh once upon a time in 1975, one of my final MBA courses at RIT was uh, 725, and the professor was Stephen F. Martyr, and our course requirement was to write a 75-page paper proving, mathematically or otherwise, that the stock market is irrational. That's a right-on topic, and there's plenty to write about. Yep. And uh, I mean, if you want to talk about artificial manipulation of the stock market, if you want to talk about governments printing money and governments piling money into the stock market and union purchases of stocks and, and where they go and which big funds direct money into different places, there's plenty to talk about there. Yeah. And, and people want the market to be rational because we like to be in control and be predictable, but it isn't. Not at all. No, no, it's not. And and everyone knows there's a correction due. Just when that when that cliff is coming, uh, is the is the surprise here. And it, you know it cannot just continue to keep growing and growing and growing without corrections. The stock market is about growth and corrections, growth and corrections. Yep. That's that's where people make money. When the stock market goes down and things are cheaper, you buy it and then it goes up and you make money off of it and then you sell it sell high, and do the same thing over again. But you're, there's going to be correction there sooner or later. Yep. And the whole thing is timing. And that's why only 1% of the people who are market timers make money. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you, you got your MBA? Yeah, from RIT. All right. We're, we're uh, proud to have been one of the few 
non-theoretical MBA schools. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I, I have a, a member of my family who's got a degree in quantitative economics and went to the London School of Economics uh, as well. Heavy so, place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I know a little bit from what I hear. Again, it wasn't my degree, but you know, when you have those discussions, yeah, you, you learn a lot. I, you, you, don't uh, underestimate yourself. You seem to know more, more about how the whole world works than most of us with all kinds of degrees. So, Yeah, I mean, when people call in and they say, well, look at the economy, look how inflation's doing, the, the stock market's doing so well, they're two separate, total separate entities. I mean, yes, they, they are symbiotic. They do work together hand-in-hand hand at times, but one really doesn't address the other. And today's a prime example. You know, you're only, you know, 0.2% above where inflation expected to be, and you sent the entire markets into a tailspin. And the funniest thing of all is people say, oh, good news, inflation is down. No, it's not down. Yeah. <laughs> Go to any store and you could see that. Oh, Tom, I appreciate your call. Thanks for checking in. Have a great one. You too, Tom. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show at WILK News Radio. On this Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras 2024... 39 degrees and mostly cloudy out here. So how'd you make out with the snow? We did real good in the northern tier. I got less than an inch, and it was gone by the time I came into the studio today. Now here at the studio, it looks like there's a lot. Jake said uh, he's a little sore today. You got about eight inches, huh, Jake? Yep. Yeah. Just just your driveway, just your sidewalk, so you had to do more than that? I did our one neighbor's sidewalk, but yeah. Yep. I feel like a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go, indeed. Did you see this, Jake? There's a, There was suspicious betting over the Super Bowl Gatorade color, and they're looking into it to say that it may have been manipulated and uh, some um, bet, uh, trying to, to, to fudge the betting. Wow, that's interesting. In yeah, Vegas? Really? The New, yeah, New York Post right here is just 10 seconds ago posted their article, Suspicion, Suspicious Betting leads to questions about Super Bowl Gatorade color odds. So they think it may have been manipulated from the inside. Somebody may have put down some big money because, you know, they. if you didn't know, everything is bet on for the Super Bowl. If they come up with heads or tails on the coin, the color of the Gatorade. Was who, Travis Kelsey going to propose? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, something else I just saw about the Super Bowl, did you see the article of someone, Taylor Swift had someone thrown out? of the uh, Super Bowl because they got the seats directly in front of her suite. Mm. No, I did not know about that. Kanye West bought the seats right in front of her suite, and she had him removed before the halftime. How ironic. Yep. Now, I don't know how, if he bought the seats, I don't know how she did that. I, you know, I guess she has that kind of pull. But uh, a, a, a retired football player told the story on his podcast this morning, and there are pictures to kind of confirm what he's saying. Now, the NFL and Taylor Swift's people both have declined to comment on it, but um, I'm sure you could find it online. But he was wearing a full black mask, it was like a ski mask that covers his eyes. It was like mesh, so you can't see him at all, and it had a logo on it. And they're saying he, he was doing it for self-promotion. He was promoting him. So anytime they, they showed Taylor Swift, they would have to show him in the seats in front of her down there. But the... A football player said that, uh, you know, he was there and Kanye West was removed at the request of Taylor Swift. Uh, again, I don't know what grounds that would have to be done on, but those were the the two things that I saw for the Super Bowl today that I had to put out there. Let me go to the phones. We have uh, Eugene on a cell about the state legislator. Eugene. 
Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call, Mr. Oh, I, I guess I'm getting up to the hour. You probably don't have much time. But I'd just like to start off by saying I think of all the celebrities, Odyssey people on Wilk, I think you're a diplomat, you know, and uh, about that. And then uh, I do like uh, Nancy Kamen. I think she does a good job, too, and she's a pretty mother. I, I, I guess I'm getting to that uh, I'm a member of the party of Harry S. Truman, JFK, and, and Jimmy Carter, and the other guys are, are okay. And the way I see it is Odyssey's on the other side of the aisle. And that is uh, the microcosm of our divided states, you know. So uh, if you want to comment on that, or I'll get to my topic. Well, I I think it takes both sides to be divided there, Eugene. So it's a little of both there. But go ahead. Yeah. You can go to your comment. uh, Yeah, I, I lived, you know, in the Middle West a long time. I lived in Iowa for a long time and their set set late their state legislature was part-time so they were done in april when i moved to indiana there's basically the same thing and here in the commonwealth it's the whole year and you know i i think that too i don't think they work that much for that whole year in my opinion and uh, my rep he's a democrat i won't mention his name but he's a Polish American and he's getting like a hundred thousand, you know, I think it's wishful thinking to go back to part-time legislature, but, uh, and I just well, once you give them something, it's hard, once you give them something, it's hard to get it back. But and I agree. Do they earn that full-time legislation designation? Listen, the Pennsylvania legislature is one of the costliest in the nation, so that says something right there. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. I guess it's uh, death and taxes. <laughs> well, like so, you said, that's not a Democrat. It's not a Republican thing. That's a legislature thing, what the people tolerate. Yeah. And that goes yeah, both, both yeah. sides of the aisle. I, I'm saying, you know, there's a yeah, reason why, yeah, yeah. you know, the legislature yeah, is one yeah, of the most costly in the nation. Yeah, that's that's. And for and is your is your uh, home state the same way full time? Kathy, Kathy, uh, you know, you're. You're, you're probably full-time, too, in, well, in the here, Empire State. I've been here over 20 years now, so this is my home state. But New York, uh, I, I believe, is less costly. But I, I'm not sure if they're full-time or part-time now. Oh, uh, uh, okay. All right, I guess that's all I have. You and your uh, Bella Senora have a wonderful evening and a happy manana. Bye-bye. You, you too, Eugene. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. It's uh, 3.31 here at WILK, and it's time for the news with Nancy Kamen, who's in for Paul Michaels. You with the Rob O'Donnell Show at WILK News Radio, otherwise known as New Orleans North on this day. Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday here. On this Tuesday, February 13th, 2024, 39 degrees and mostly cloudy out there. Uh, I meant to say this yesterday. I did get a text message, and I apologize, but West Pittston Fire Company is having a Valentine's Day flower sale. It kicked off yesterday. Oh, it kicked off Monday at Driscoll's Home Center, 720 Wyoming Avenue, West Pittston. The sale will continue from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Tuesday and Wednesday. So today and tomorrow till 7 p.m. Tomorrow you got also 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. to get them flowers. Uh, they'll be available until they're sold out. They got truckloads full, all different colors. Go over there and support the support the West Pittston Fire Company. If anybody over there from West Pittston is listening, you want to bring over a dozen, I'll buy from here. I can't go to the to you guys and get them, but if you want to bring them here, I'll get them. Bring them home. Be on the the good guy side for the night, I guess. 
But, yeah, check them out. West Pittston Fire Company. They're over at Driscoll's Home Center, 720 Wyoming Avenue, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. today and tomorrow. Flowers available till they sold out. Uh, there's pictures of them. They look great. All different colors. Your, your, uh, your baby's breath that goes along with them if you want that. Uh, different color flowers. It's a... Uh, you know, a quarter by different color. I mean, a coordination. They're somewhat. They're, they're red and red and uh, white, purple. Look great though. So check them out. Always support your local fire department there. Um, forgot what else I was going to talk about today. Oh, here we go. The attorneys for the Luzerne County. Defendants asked the state Supreme Court to rule on the legality of this predator catcher sting. This individual, and we, we all know him, he's been in the the TV news and such like that. I, I've talked about it a little bit before, and, and basically what he does is he, he tries to uh, not trap because they're out there. They're the predators. He, he actually gives them the opportunity to out themselves, and then he outs them. Publicly. And I understand what he's trying to do. I understand um, I understand the, the good that's behind it. I, I don't I don't blame him or say he's wrong in doing this, but it does make things complicated for a prosecution and such like that. Now, if he scares these predators, enough to where they stop doing it. You no, know, that's a great thing. But if there's furtherance of crime, it, it complicates prosecutions. So the district attorney in Luzerne County, I guess, is uh, is looking to get a Supreme Court to invoke its king's bench power. Attorneys representing three Luzerne County defendants allegedly snared in a, what they're calling a vigilante, child sexting, are asking the state Supreme Court to invoke its king bench power to make a ruling on the legality of such civilian operations across the Commonwealth. So it's not the, it's not the DA. The petition claims that the Luzerne County DA's office, which has approved such charges on a case-by-case basis, is an exception across the state in prosecuting such cases. And like I said, the district attorney in Luzerne County has done a case-by-case basis on what's happening here. Prosecuted some and did not get involved in others based on, you know, what was alleged. When a civilian, and I'm not saying it's not a, a good thing he's doing, but it complicates things to get someone like this off the street altogether. And... And this is a prime example that the def- uh, attorneys for the defendants, three defendants saying who's alleging this guy's a vigilante, who's entrapping them. And there's all sorts of cases here um, to give a blanket wide precedent setting decision on things like this. Obviously, their interest is their defendants and their defendants are alleged sexual predators that have been outed by this individual, the civilian who's done these operations to out them. Having been involved in these, having known people who are the detectives who pose as children online, on internet chat rooms, on phones, on web cameras, where you'd be amazed of, uh, of how young some of these uh, undercover detectives can, be, can look 
it, when they want to be in their role. To catch these predators, it's a controlled environment. It, it's documented every step of the way. It makes prosecution very easy when it goes down the road. And even then, there's entrapment claims. There's all sorts of things that defense attorneys throw out there. But uh, I won't go as far as saying somebody shouldn't do this, but you have to be very cautious in doing something like this, and it's better left to the officials, the authorities who are professionals in this. But the mere fact that civ civilians are out there and being successful in this, law enforcement needs to be critical in looking at can they do more? Should they be doing more? How do they do more? Maybe bringing in more advisory from the community saying, hey, if you find someone like this, bring it to us and let us do it. Don't you do it yourself. Now, we'll keep you in the loop. And we'll reward you even for bringing us the information, but let us do it on a certain uh, way to go. So that's my stance on it. We'll see how it goes. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. You can consider us New Orleans North today on this Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Good songs there. With drones changing the war, Army receives a 20-year Chinook project at a Boeing, Pennsylvania plant that could sustain it for, uh, like they said, 20 years. It's a move that elected officials say could keep the assembly line at the Boeing plant in Ridley Park, Pennsylvania, busy for 20 years. The Army has canceled a proposed attack helicopter by rivals Lockheed Sikorsky and Bell Textron, otherwise known as... Lockheed Martin Sikorsky joined up and then Bell. But Textron and transferred the funds to upgrade the Boeing Chinooks helicopters and smarter drones. The Army said that it has a discontinuing work on future attack and reconnaissance aircraft, often called scout helicopters, and shifting funds to speed a long-delayed upgrade to its 425 Boeing Chinook CH-47s. Now, you may not know what they're what they they're called, but it's the big long helicopter with two big blades, one in the front, one in the back. Chinooks, they're known by, but CH forty sevens. It'll also begin building a new attack helicopter by twenty thirty, along with next generation unmanned aircraft. The uh, the army cited lessons learned and a sober assessment of recent battlefields in Ukraine and elsewhere where agile drone aircraft have been used to combat conventional forces far away. Uh, the move reverses the Pentagon's decision in 2019 that slowed planned Chinook upgrades. At the time, military leaders said they expected to need fewer Chinooks, which haul tanks and other heavy equipment into battle zones or other equipment used in Vietnam, Afghanistan, and Iraq. Instead, it focused would be on long-range artillery, space and software weapons, and other programs useful against Russia or China. Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania praised the Army's reversal, noting it supported thousands of good-paying jobs for our region, as well as our national security. James Ruff, leader of UAW Local 1069, which represents assembly workers in the plant, credited Casey and UEP's Representative Mary Gay Scanlon of Pennsylvania for helping secure the future for workers. Isn't it like Senator Bob Casey, like a used car salesman when it comes to these things? That's how he comes across. It's uh, 3.50 here at WIK. Time for the Bloomberg.
Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. That New Orleans feeling on this Fat Tuesday Mardi Gras, Tuesday 13th, 2024. Let me, uh, you can call or text at 570-883-0098. Let me go to the phones. Why is my phone even on? Let me see if I can go to the phones now. Uh, let me see. We have uh, Judy from Kingston. Judy, how are you today? Oh, pretty good. I'm just uh, wondering, how it, were there any updates on Officer Gilmartin? Uh, he's in rehabilitation. He's doing well. Um, I'm not sure of his day-to-day updates, but they they say he's doing well. So. Uh-huh. Well, do you know how to get one of those shirts that they were selling? Um, yeah, actually, the Scranton Police Department just posted today um, on their Facebook page. So if you go to the Scranton Police, actually, they're going to have a SPD Strong Parade Day shirts that say uh, they're green shirts with the Irish flag that says SPD Strong, Scranton Police Department Strong. And uh-huh. they'll, they'll be on sale Wednesday, February 14th between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. The sale takes place in the lobby of the Scranton Police Headquarters. Short sleeves are $15, long sleeves are $20. Uh-huh. And, and uh, okay, where's the location of the uh, Scranton police? What stri- street are they on? Uh, I don't have that at the tip of my fingers now. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could just you could just search that in, in any uh, internet search, and it'll give you. Uh huh. Yeah, One hundred South Washington Avenue. One hundred South Washington Avenue. Okay, because yeah, I, I'd like to purchase one of them. Now, Rob, that that predator catcher was he um, a, a hired by any police agency in doing what he was doing? As far as say that again. Like the the, the, the that predator catcher was he uh, hired by? No, by no, the... he's doing he's doing that on his own as a civilian. It, that's his own stuff. He's doing uh, out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It it just wow. That that's that's amazing how he was doing what he was doing. All I can say. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean he's 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 doing a service. He's catching these guys and, and girls, but it's not. It causes issues with with prosecution. It causes issues with with trying. Now, if it works, if he scares a person into never doing it again, that's great, but that's few and far between. Uh, you want to be able to catch these individuals and t- take them off the street and put them away for a long time so they can't do it to anyone else. Um, yeah, I, I hear you. I, I just I, I can never imagine, uh, you know, doing something like that, setting setting them up like that. It doesn't seem... <laughs> he's been it doesn't very, seem right to me. Yeah, he's been very successful, and, and as a citizen, uh, his his right. But as far as as far as taking these people off the streets, prosecution wise, it causes a, a problem. So you know that's I, why I, I hesitate yep. against that. It it totally has to, without a doubt. Yes. All right, yeah. Judy. So you can go yeah, to one hundred South thanks. Washington Avenue and touch with San, Scranton Police and get those shirts. Okay. Thanks, Rob. No problem. Take care. Have a good day. Bye bye. You too. Uh, I talked about that Axios article that is, has has been out put out. Um, people in the White House are talking, and basically they're saying there's turmoil over migrant cri- over the migrant crisis. With Biden's cabinet members mocked as idiots, and uh, I'm not even going to say the the other word, but uh, you know, a BS, <laughs> pretty much. Um, top Biden. Then top Biden aide Susan Rice would privately slam fellow cabinet member Xavier Basiera 
as an idiot and uh, and a BS over the migrant crisis. Yet another sign of a White House turmoil, report said. Rice insulted the Health and Human Services Secretary and clashed with Vice President Kamala Harris, Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall, and other officials while coordinating the administration's border response as President Biden's domestic policy advisor from January 2021 to May of 2023. Now, this is coming from Axios. Sources told the out, uh, outlet that Rice's air, ire for Bessiera stemmed from his failure to secure addition sheltering, additional sheltering spaces for child migrants. And at one point, she call, cautioned Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas not to save this H.A. Secretary from Biden wrath during a meeting. Rice further disparaged Harris for not taking charge of the immigration policy as Biden's borders are. In private conversations, she also questioned whether Harris had tanked Rice's chances of being the president's running mate in 2020 by distributing opposition research that resulted in unflattering coverage. Now, again, the mere fact that this is coming out, and I posted this earlier, there's a regime behind the Biden administration. Susan Rice is part of that regime. If she's if this is coming out now that she's having butting heads with cabinet officials and the vice president, and this is making its way to Axios to go out there with some detail in it, how these arguments went down, someone is making a decision to maybe bypass Joe Biden and push the vice president aside. Uh, but things like this don't get out without a reason. And there's a reason behind here, and it's coming from this administration. It's coming up on 4 o'clock now on WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after this.